From digital horsemanship, this is Finding the Field, bringing you stories and insights from today's most inspiring horsemen and women. I feel like that's a big way to build confidence is know your horse's limitations. So I'm sitting here with Billy Williams. He's a horseman, a reigning trainer, multiple AQHA world qualifier, derby finalist, and he's worked for some of the best trainers out there, and it really shows. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So tell us how you got started with horses and the whole beginning of it all. Well, my mom... Had, uh, had a love for horses growing up, and we actually owned a, she owned, I didn't own anything, she owned a, uh, a boarding facility in Oregon where I grew up, and um, she started taking reining lessons with a guy named Tom St. Hilaire in Oregon, and um, I had always ridden, and when I was 11, I think, 10 or 11, she took me for my first lesson with Tom, and kind of just took off from there. So from there, did did you show your mom's horses? How did that go as a kid? I'm trying to remember. The first horse that I got to show was actually one that my mom and my stepdad raised. But I think I was maybe four, maybe I was 14, and they got it for me. He was four by the time when I got to when I got to ride him. And I and at that point, I was riding with Brian Croft, and um, my mom had her own horse that she showed also. Yeah, it was kind of like a family thing. My mom and I did and. Pretty fun. And when did you decide to go into it professionally? Well, I think I always kind of knew I wanted to do it professionally. I I um I attempted to go to college for for a little bit. I didn't make it very long, and uh, like I made it about three months. And I told my parents that I was gonna <laughs> go work for uh, Randy uh, Paul and Tracer Gilson in Arizona, and um, that was. In 2003, I think. What was it like going to work for Randy Paul and Tracer? Tracer, Tracer's become one of my one of my best friends. So you know that that part just just that in itself was was is, has been awesome. But but learning from him was was very neat. You know, Randy is is kind of like an artist, not just with the horses, but with with a lot of different stuff, music and bridles and stuff like that. So just mm-hmm. being able to be around him was was really cool, and it was a great looking back on it it was a great first job like tracer you know tracer kind of took me in and treated me like his little brother you know they did the cow horse and the reining um we got a ride out of rancho Rio, so it was it was it was a pretty awesome first job with tracer what are a few takeaways what are the things you learned he is very detailed i guess he's just always very prepared all his stuff is very organized he's he's real meticulous on just how everything's done you know, I hope I learned that from Tracer, just to be very detail-oriented, and, and uh, he's he's just a good he's a good guy. So hopefully, I learned some of that from him too. But on a, on a horse, so he taught you to be detail-oriented on a horse. You know, Tra- yeah, he he definitely did, and Tracer also helped me kind of learn to start the two-year-olds and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Because because up until then, I, I had started a couple, you know, with my mom, and she raised some horses. But he taught me how to start them. And, and then honestly, also, the other thing Tracer taught me was he was the first one that ever let me show a three-year-old. So he kind of taught me how to prepare a three-year-old. Tell us about that first time showing a three-year-old. Well, the first time I showed a three-year-old, uh, we went to Denver, Colorado, the summer slide. And Tracer and I drove up there. I did not make the finals. Uh, my horse, I had a, it was an actually a pretty decent little mare. She was a little hot. It didn't, didn't quite go as planned, but it was fun. It was a good, you know, like I said, Tracer was there. He helped me kind of get through everything, so it was it was uh, it was well worth it. I wish I had done better, obviously, but it was it was a learning experience. 
Can you take us to that day? So you're getting ready to show the horse. What are you feeling? I was extremely nervous because it was the first time I had, you know, I'd got to show a three-year-old and I wanted to do well. You didn't make the finals. Did you have a learning from that experience that you, you took to the next show? Yeah, and that's, you know, that's something like, you know, going and working for, for guys like Tracer and Randy and, and the other guys that I've got to go work for. You know, we kind of went back and we regrouped. Do you feel like the nerves got to you maybe in that first one? I don't know because I always get nervous. But I'm the type, type of person that I'll be nervous. And then once I get on the horse, I feel pretty good. I really just think it boils down to, I mean, I think if you don't get nervous at all, then I don't think you want it very much. I guess, like, with my nerves, I don't, like, I don't, I'm not, like, so nervous I can't, you know, think or anything. I just, I'm more of, you know, I want to kind of get in there and, and go do it. So when you go show, you're walking into the show pen, what are you thinking about? You know, I like to break down kind of like the pattern. So I'm just trying to think about pattern six, for instance. I need my, you know, I, on this particular horse, I, I need to uh, have him a little bit straighter in the turn. Or So I like to kind of think about each individual maneuver and, and what I need to do to help my horse get through the pattern. And are you thinking about that whole pattern and what you want it to look like? How are you thinking about each step? So I, I really like to break it down. I like to think about, like, you know, pattern six. I like to think about my right turn. Mm-hmm. Once I get through the right turn, I mean, I will break it down before I, you know, before I go show. But I like to kind of think about each individual maneuver. And then once I do that one, and then I move on to the next one and and uh, kind of have a game plan throughout the whole throughout the whole pattern. One thing at a time? Yep. What about Randy Paul? Any stories that you could tell us about working with Randy? Like I said, he's an artist, so he's a pretty interesting guy. But I think Randy can put so much style on a horse, which I really like. Randy was one of the most laid-back people that that I've ever worked for, that's for sure. And uh, laid-back in what way? You know, he just he was never in a rush. He he took his time. He I think he kind of just took his time and did the best that he could on everything. When I was around, I never heard him, you know, really get angry or anything. He had a, he's very even keeled. And he and he was very he was like that with the horses too. He's just he's a very neat guy. He, you know, it was my first job, and I think I, I I hope I soaked up a lot. Where'd you go after that? I went to go work for uh, Todd Bergen after that for three years, and then I actually went back to Tracer, and then I went to Tracer after that, and then I went to uh, Jordan after that. So you go start working for Todd. What's kind of the first thing he has you start doing? So when I went to work there, there was another guy that worked there named Travis Stewart, who now trains cutting horses. He's a super good guy, also a good friend. Um, and he kind of was the, kind of did all the two-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And that first year we were there, or I was there, we had, I think we started 25 two-year-olds. So obviously he couldn't uh, do all of them. So he he also helped me a lot, you know, start two-year-olds. And and uh, we kind of split them up after that and rode them. But Honestly, I think for the first little bit I was at Todd's, it was just kind of, he was a boss that if we were out there, Todd was out there. If he gave us eight horses to ride, Todd rode ten. And uh, it was a great a great job. I probably should have stayed longer. Were there any horses that, that stood out? The one, I guess, that would stand out when I worked for Todd, He we had a Shining Spark mare named Simply Kate. He let me show her. We, we took her to um, Marietta, California. I can't remember what the futurity. It was a pre-futurity. Todd showed one, and I showed her. I won the... The two lower divisions, and then it was second in the level four behind Todd, and Todd won the level four, so it was pretty cool. What was that feeling like to place right behind Todd? It was, it was, it was pretty neat. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. Just him and I went down there, and uh, we didn't take very many horses. He just took a couple. We just took a couple three-year-olds. You know, I mean, he obviously helped me a lot to get to get ready and do all that stuff. And 
his game plan worked like it usually does and yeah so it was pretty awesome sounds like a pretty significant milestone in your career yeah it was that was the first time that i had done good on a three-year-old so what about that day why do you think it worked that day honestly that that mare was was a super challenging mare she was not very easy i think the owners had actually sent her there to try and do the snaffle bit and she was she she just didn't work out as a cow horse i think i i got along with her decent enough we had put a ton of work into her and uh, went in there and showed so you said she was tough why was she tough she was she was just mentally tough, you know. She was she was the kind of horse that, te- you know, teaching her something was was difficult. But once she learned it, she would she would retain it, which is which is good. How did you approach that horse like that? Kind of the way that he did it, and I hope I have learned to do it somewhat successfully, like he does. Is is he would uh, go through and check everything, you know, before we would show. And usually we would do it the night before, like right in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And we would we would check every maneuver and make sure we were happy with it. And in the morning, when we're, you know, like when we get on and we're going and getting ready to go show, we get on about 45 minutes, an hour before, and we just go back and kind of lightly touch on every maneuver. We want to try and train it. We want to try and make it any better. We would just make sure that the mare was confident. Very simple, you know, right, left, stop change leads i mean very simple but but we did touch on everything you know whereas the night before we kind of um you know make her do it you know make her or any of them do it you know incorrect so when you checked in on her the night before did everything go smoothly was she prepared or did you hit any bumps no you know what knock on wood she was pretty she was pretty good um we had taken her or i had taken her in kind of the way that todd todd did it and it was pretty cool we would always take them in, like for the first fraturity, we would always take them into like a corridors class or a novice horse class, depending on if we were at a corridors or an NHA show. Mm-hmm. And not, not necessarily show them hard, but just kind of cruise them through and make sure everything worked, um, you know, kind of half speed. Um, and she was pretty good. I think I was like a 71 or 70. And so I kind of was confident after the first time I took her in. Kind of we both were confident and it went in and worked. I hear that a lot about building the horse's confidence. How do you build a horse's confidence? Building a horse's confidence is is um, probably the most important thing. Um, obviously, some horses you got to kind of you know keep your thumb on, is what I call it, and 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 make them kind of walk the line and, and do it a certain way. But when it gets closer to showtime, I mean, they have to you know know their job and know that they're not going to get know that they're not going to get in trouble if they don't do it 100 percent. Going in there and asking the horse to do every maneuver at 100% is very, you know, I mean, there's not very many that can do it. Um, and then kind of for, for me, the other thing is, is that you got to, I, I feel like you have to know your horse. You can't ask a horse to turn a plus one if it's a, you know, a zero turner. And if you go in there, you know, or, or even the night before or months before, and you're cranking on this horse trying to get to turn a plus one, when the best that that horse physically can do is, is maybe a plus half or a zero, you're going to go in there and you're going to end up with a minus half or a minus one instead of just showing your horse to where you know where its potential is and i feel like that's a big for me i feel like that's a big way to build confidence is know your horse's limitations and just work you know work towards making it better but obviously you can't overload the horse it's it's you know just mentally mentally never works from todd what do you think is something that you learned that stuck with you through your program today I would say a lot of the body control, the way that I like my horses to go around, that I like them soft, you know, I like them collected. Uh, I would say that definitely came from Bergen, for sure. You know, like a, a horse, 
is going to be more athletic in a certain position with his, you know, like with his body, with his neck, his head, or his uh, his back, his shoulders, all that kind of stuff. And one thing that I, that that I learned was not every horse is going to run around with their head between their legs because they physically can't. Some naturally will, and if they can do it, that's awesome. But even the ones that aren't that are maybe higher necked or lower necked or it doesn't matter. They still have to collect themselves, pick them shoulders, pick their shoulders up, and I think having control of their shoulders and, and their body just allows you to put them in a better position. And when when you can help the horse and get them in those positions, and they're not scared and they're not worried, you know, when you go in and you show and you have maybe a little something fall out of place, you can you know you have your um, your cues or whatever you want to call them. You can pick them up a little bit and get them back in there and continue on his pattern and kind of get get back rolling yeah so it's kind of two elements sounded like you touched on there was that giving the horse the shapes of the foundation mm-hmm. of, of everything they're doing and then having the ability to help them yeah helping i mean like for me helping a horse and having them know that you're there to help them and not you know you're not getting after them necessarily mm-hmm. is uh, is really important and i think that starts from the time like they're two from the time you start them all the way until you you know you're getting ready to go show you know it's like your legs like you want them to be respectful of your legs but you don't want them to be scared of your legs you want them to be respectful of your hand but you also don't want them to be scared of your hand right you want to mm-hmm. know you want them to know like when i stand in the middle i rest my calves on them and i'm not resting my calves on them to intimidate them i'm resting my calves on them so they know that i'm up there and i'm i'm there with them so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that kind of stuff is all pretty important. And that goes back to be, having the horse be confident and all that kind of stuff. How do you build that kind of respect without getting the worry? Well, some of them, honestly, it's super easy. Some of them, I mean, from, from day one, like right now I have a great group of two-year-olds. And some of them, it's been, you know, it's super, super easy. They just, you know, we bred them and they mentally just know they basically come out and they know some of them and they still end up being super nice horses are a little thicker headed just like just like people and you know you have to go about it different ways but the most important thing is is you have to show them and i think once they understand whether it's being soft in the face or moving off your leg once you show them multiple times because a horse is a, a creature of habit right and they understand then it's a diff- you know then it's if they're kind of Given, given you a little grief, then, you know, then you can kind of assess the situation and, and, you know, go about it however you feel is necessary. But it's it's training, so you've got some good days and some bad days, and hopefully the good days outweigh the bad. And and uh, like I said, I think now, though, we're they're, they're so well-bred, and, I mean, they come out and, I mean, they want to stop and turn on their own. So it definitely makes the job a lot easier. So from Todd's, you went back to Tracer for a little bit, you said? Yeah, I did. I went back to Tracer for a year. Where'd you go from there? I actually, Bob Avila is, is a another close friend of mine. I got a, I, worked, I rode with Bob for a long time as a youth kid, and he was in, he is in Temecula and was at that time. And he had a client that owned a ranch, um, and they had uh, quite a few horses that they owned, and they hired me to to uh, go work for them. And I was there for three years. And then they kind of, honestly, they just kind of got out of the horses. And I didn't have very many other outside clients there in California. I mostly just had their horses. And at that point, that's when I went and worked for uh, Jordan. I want to come back to Jordan. But first, I want to ask you about 
training with Bob as a youth kid. I was just pretty lucky and fortunate to be able to go there. You know, in the summertime, I was I was up there like a lot, like almost every day. And uh, just to be around those guys, I mean, I was around when Bob had like Smart Xanalina and Shine by the Bay, and I mean, I can't remember all the great horses he had, but it was it was a really neat. It was really neat. It was a cool experience. Can you tell us a story from that time? This is totally not about horses, but it was just kind of kind of cool. It always stuck with me. Bob took me to the Youth World, and uh, I won the Youth World in the reigning. When I would walk around, and I still do it to this day, but I always kick my cowboy hat back, like you know, on my head like that. And we were getting ready for the picture, and and uh, I had my hat kicked back, and I can't remember who it was, but someone's like, "Billy, fix your hat." And Bob turned to him, and he goes, "He just won the world. Let him wear his hat however he wants." So that was it. Was pretty cool. Just just stuff like that. He was. It was just. A, it was a really cool experience. Like I don't, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but it was. So then you went to work for Jordan. Mm-hmm. What was what was it like working for Jordan? Jordan's Jordan's a great guy. Jordan and Taylor are both great guys. I've known Jordan since so when I was a youth kid riding with Bob. Jordan actually worked for a guy named a trainer named Darren Stanzik. So I I had known Jordan for a long time. The year that I went there was the year he had just he won the Futurity on Spooks Got a Wiz that was owned by a lady named Michelle, and she actually had horses with me in training when I was in California. This is the time when I was in California on my on my own. And I had made the lower division finals on another one of her horses, and then I made the intermediate final on, on the people that owned the ranch, their horse. And uh, so it was just kind of cool because I wasn't working for him, but you know we were all kind of together, and he's he's I've known him for a long time, so we were friends. And anyway, sh- yeah, shortly after that, I I went to work for him. And is there something that Jordan taught you? He he can show a horse probably better than anybody that I've ever been around in my life, and he has an incredible knack for. I think being able to get along with a wide variety of horses, and I think he has so much feel and timing that, like I said, I mean, he, he, he can show and do so much on a horse that I think a lot of people can't just get on and go do. Jordan can prepare one unreal to go show. I mean, he could you could go give him a horse, and I mean, he could go show tomorrow and do extremely well on it. Like, that's, the type, that's how he is. And... He put so much thought into the mental preparation, like, you know, the days leading up to the show, and he gets to know the horse. He goes through and knows their weaknesses, you know, getting them ready for, you know, like like I said earlier, like, if this horse needs to be straight turning, if if uh, running down, I need to have my outside leg on him, or if I need to even... He learned, he knows, um, and he was very, very good about all the little things that would help that horse to show, to show its best. And along, I mean, he's an incredible horse trainer, obviously, but just what I always, I mean, he, he just what I always took away from him, and I think it's taken me a long time to, and I'm not there yet, obviously, but um, it's taken me a long time to to kind of be able to think about everything like he does. I mean, he thinks about every little thing. You kind of learned that as well and have been trying to implement it. Yeah, and it's honestly, it's taken, you know, I, you know, like I said, I think Jordan can get on and he could catch right anything and make it look as good or better than the person he got it from. And that that's definitely not one of my strong suits. Most of the horses that I've shown and done well on, I've had, I guess, I've had them since they were two. Can you tell us about a horse that you feel like you failed at one point or another and, and what you learned from that? One thing that I, that I feel is, I'm going to switch it around, is one of my strengths is I, I feel like I can... If I ride a horse and I don't think I'm going to get along with it, but I think it's a super nice horse, 
I'm not scared to tell somebody to send it to who I think will get along with it, which I think is one of my strengths. What about a horse or a time where you feel like you achieved something and you were successful? I had a horse that my dad and I own named Gunnafulia, and I showed him at the NRBC. Actually, I'd gotten a ton of help from, from a guy named Ruben Van Dort, a tra- pretty famous trainer. With his help, the first go, I was I was really good. I think it was a 21 or 21 and a half, and I made the, the L4 finals on him. And that horse was, uh, he was he was challenging, but he was he was there with me the first go, and he was hooked up, and, and it was uh, pretty cool. What was challenging about him? He was a, he was an overachiever. Um, he was he wasn't a, he's a phenomenal horse, but he would try so hard that you know he would kind of try and outthink you a little bit, I guess. Even the like the, that go, I was a twenty, I think it was a twenty-one, and he could turn huge, but he would turn so fast that sometimes it was hard getting him shut off. So I had a, I had a, actually had a half point turn penalty on him. That was probably his hardest thing, is he was an overachiever. You'd ask him to do something, and he would try too hard. So how do you work with a horse like that? I think those ones are easier, kind of, than the ones that don't try, obviously. With him, honestly, it was kind of just getting him to get him to mentally slow down, but but wait on me more. And instead of just trying to do 110%, we kind of I would kind of try to dial him down a little bit, almost get him mm-hmm. a little bit a little bit numb, I guess, if you want to say. Just because you know you would, I mean, like I said, you'd ask him to turn, and I mean he'd he'd fly. It was never a question of effort with him, I guess. So just kind of dialing it, dialing him back. You know, a horse like him, he was super talented, and if he would give you 75%, you would. I mean, he was better than 90% of the horses. But when he would, you know, when he would try and get it, go, go, like I said, go, you know, go super hard and stuff like that, he would just try so hard that sometimes he'd get in his own way. So you're out in the practice pen preparing that particular horse to show. What are you doing to help? bring him down you know we kind of the same thing I, I had a game plan I worked on everything the night before I felt he was he was really good he'd been good the whole time we were at the NRBC um, I, I really didn't do much I kind of cruised him around I trotted him a lot walked around on him a lot I don't want him physically tired necessarily but I do like him kind of mentally mentally down where they're you know where they definitely are checking in with me um, but it was it was more of just a uh, Kind of keep him chill and you know touch on everything a little bit, but but don't do anything hard and and um, he went in there and, and was really good. What about a personal habit for you? Is there something that that you do consistently that you think makes you a better horseman? I guess I feel like I'm fairly consistent, and I I, I that's that's a habit. Like I try and ride all my horses the same. Like I said earlier, horses are creatures of habit, and I guess I tr- I kind of try and be the same, you know. You know, for each horse, I have a game plan, and I try and s- just stay with it. I try and stick to my game plan. I guess I don't try and come out one day and and totally change things way up. What's the best advice you've ever been given as a horseman? Well, uh, Bob always used to say, "Pretty sells, so never buy an ugly horse." The resale value. Always think about having to sell one. Bergen always used to say, when you ride them, think about that there's a, a box around your horse, and you don't want any of the body parts to go out of the box. Think about, you know, that the the head and everything has to be in a box, and when one of the body parts comes out of the box, you got to put it back in. And once you get the horse to where he stays in that box, meaning basically he's between your between your hands and between your legs, you've you've uh, done a pretty good job.
I like that one. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good one. Do you have any superstitions while showing? No. No. Everybody says you're not supposed to show in yellow, but I actually think I won the East World in yellow. <laughs> I mean, I know that's a long time ago, but and it was, but yeah. So no, I don't really have any superstitions. What advice would you give to a non-pro or an amateur out there just looking to be a better horse person? I think one one thing that I see some of the non-pros do, and I can I see where they're go- coming from, and and then on the same token I don't, but I see where. Sometimes I feel like maybe they they go and they try and get information from 10 different resources. And I understand where they're thinking, well, I'll just get a bunch of different information from all these guys and they'll make it work for me. Whereas I think if you, and I think this is like the same thing for like an assistant trainer, if you find somebody that you like, their program, you like the way their horses look, you like the way they take care of their horses, you're not going to stay there forever, obviously. Nobody expects anybody to stay forever. But... Go there, learn, try and learn one particular program. Try and learn one way. And when you feel like that either is not working, you know, then then go somewhere else. But give it a but give it a fair chance. I think people are in a rush and they want instant gratification. It's like working with a kid. You know, I mean, some things work and some things don't. And I'm not saying that if you take your horse somewhere and the trainer just doesn't get along with him, that you can't make a you know you can't make a, a move. But I do feel like that that a lot of the non pros think they're going to go somewhere and it's instantly they're going to they're going to go mark as you know 75. It's not going to happen. So I think that if you are willing to kind of take your time and actually learn their program, you're going to pick up a lot of stuff that you don't like and that you're never going to use again. But you'll also pick up a lot of stuff that you will use and that is actually you know that will really help you. What's your trainer superpower? I don't know if it's a suit. I don't think it's a superpower, but probably the thing that I honestly enjoy the most out of everything is going and picking out a young horse, um, like a yearling, uh, like a long yearling or something like that. I really, I really enjoy picking out a horse, and I think I've done. I think I've done pretty well at it. Um, I've, I've, I've got to pick out some really great ones that that I've owned or clients have owned and have gone and done really well. So I would say that's probably my, I mean, that's definitely a strong suit, I think. I think I can pick a horse pretty well. What are you looking for, especially when you're looking at those young ones? It's kind of, uh, I mean, I definitely watch the way they move and how they're built. Um, honestly, it's kind of, it's a, it's a, just a kind of a feeling I get with it. There was a horse, one horse that actually really stands out to me is, there's a horse named Wimpy's Little Star that I, I started and uh, showed at the fraternity, and I... I messed up in the second go. I made the intermediate finals, but the horse was definitely an open and now four finalist. Um, but this horse, I went to. It was Green Valley at the time, and this was one of the one of the earlier years for Wimpy's Little Step. And we went out there, and there was a little tiny midget of a horse, Palomino, but he just he caught my eye, and then and then besides that, he wouldn't leave me alone. He just he he was he was right there walking through the pasture and there was you know i mean 20 or 30 other yearling colts out there a client bought that horse people that own the ranch in california bought the horse and um he's he's a he's been a special horse he's still showing and that was i mean i don't know how old he is now 10 or 12 or something like that it was just it was cool because i don't think a lot of people would have gave him a lot of attention because he was very small and, and you know you're out there with all these other ones that are big and pretty uh, and he, he's very pretty too but 
but anyways, it was kind of just a feeling I had, and yeah. What was he like to train? Honestly, he was probably the easiest horse I've ever trained in my life. I remember the very first ride, I, I, I usually start mine in just a, like a halter, like a rope halter. And uh, the very first ride, like this is, I'm not exaggerating, you could trot him, lope him, do whatever, and I could pick my hand up in a rope halter, and he would stop, put his chin to his chest, and back up. And that horse very, 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 very rarely ever had a bad day. He was the he was one of the best-minded horses that I've ever been around, and I actually have two half siblings, uh, two three-year-olds this year. And are they similar? I have a gelding that is very talented, like he was. He's a little mentally tougher, and then I actually have a, a three-year-old mare, and she's very very similar to him. Very that must similar. be exciting. Yeah, very very excited. You have a Facebook page. I do. So if you want to learn more about Billy and his program, you can go to Williams Performance Horses. Yep. Cool. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on.